Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Lab Steam Team Hitting Podcast, episode 146. Good to be back. Hope everybody had a great July 4th holiday. I did. Happy Independence Day. If you celebrate that sort of thing, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't, but it's good to have you back here listening in, watching us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or on YouTube, watching the show on the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. The subscriber numbers continue to go up, so thank you very much for listening and watching. We do greatly appreciate it. And today we're talking about, from an offensive standpoint, the Major League Baseball draft, which, listening to this on a Monday, already started yesterday in Seattle, and it stretches all the way to what? What are we thinking? Tuesday, right? Tuesday's the game, yeah. And then right. there, is there something on Wednesday? Is the futures after or before? I don't yeah, I don't, I don't know that. But that other guy talking is professional evaluator, successful business owner, my former coach, current day renowned coach, friend and co-host. Jake Epstein. I'm glad you answered that question. I kind of just put it out there rhetorically, and I'm glad that you came in and saved me there because I was, <laughs> I was kind of just fluttering in the wind. <laughs> I'm with you. I know it's always the All Star Game is always Tuesday, but it's so long now. You have the, the home run derby, then there's always a futures game and the festive. I think it's some kind of red carpet, I guess. Now red right carpet, now. sure. Yeah, you know, I'll say this. I, I really like that Major League Baseball has clustered all of these events together as one rather than just putting the draft on a random weekend yeah. in June. You know, I think it gives organizations, I'm not on the baseball operations end, so I don't know, but I would think logic would tell you that moving the draft back, first of all, is a good marketing ploy when you have all of these events on a weekend right after, in this case, Independence Day, and there's really nothing else going on, right? Unless you want to hear into the NBA Summer League. A lot of people are. But if you're a baseball fan or you're kind of a casual baseball fan, you can kind of tune into all of these events I don't see a lot of casual fans tuning into the MLB draft, but the home run derby, the all-star game. So I really like that baseball has sort of put all of these things together. But from an organization standpoint, and you know this very, very well, for scouts and for baseball operations people, this has to be, having the draft pushed back, a huge plus for everybody. Because now you draft a player. First of all, you get to see these players at the collegiate level in more high leverage situations, the College World Series, and you get to see high school players playing in other situations and tournaments against some really good competition. So you get that one last look, one last comb over with a lot of these players, and then you can kind of make a decision based off that. But once they get drafted, now they can sign and does, they don't have to rush to sign. They can get integrated into the organization. By the way, there's that financial aspect, as you know, too, Jake, and um, with the finances negotiating and where you're going to put your money with certain picks and everything that goes along with that how much you're going to sign this guy for and so you get a chance now with the draft being pushed back to come up with a better strategy drafting wise and then integrating these players properly into fall ball into instructional league and getting them ready for next year in 2024 in this case for spring training yeah i think there's different ways to look at it um you know yes you get you get more time right you get more time you, like you said you, you get into the the college world series and then after that, you can have some pre-draft workouts too. So, yeah. um, you know, it gives you like an extra, uh, what is it, three weeks or so of, you know, working guys out. And those guys are kind of, you know, the top guys. They're on a circuit, right? They're going to go to wherever. They're going to go to Milwaukee. They're going to go to Dodger Stadium. They're going to go to Yankee Stadium. They're going to do workouts um, in-house sometimes prior to. I will say, though, that it, it's really only working because – there's only, you know, it's, it's a smaller draft, right? We only have half the draft. There's, you know, short season really isn't a thing anymore. You only have extended spring training. So the issue I have with it is you miss it, miss out on a year. Um, 
you know, you used to be able to get drafted in, in June, right when, right when the college season ended, not everybody goes to the postseason, right? Um, and, and the high school guys are done. Like what are the high school guys waiting for? They, they've had nothing to do since, you know, June, June 10th or June 5th. They're just kind of sitting around playing summer ball where those guys could probably get, you know, in short season, they could get 80 games in. And now you're really, you're not right. Everything's pushing back. The negotiations are pushing back. Um, so those guys are, I don't know if you're missing out on a year, but you are, you're pushing into the fall. They're, they're not going to get a ton of, ton of swings and extended spring training. Maybe you send them to a ball, low a ball or something like that and kind of rush them in, but they're definitely missing out on, on a month's worth of the seasons, uh, under your belt. Now for the first rounders, you know, maybe it's not a big deal because they're going to hold out and try to get more money and, and whatnot. So it's not a big deal, but it did definitely threw a, threw a wrench into everything, um, by, by pushing it back and, and getting rid of the, sh- the short season stuff. Cause now those, those are pretty much just independent ball teams. You well, know, could I, I just counter that. with, with one thing and yeah. I understand what you're saying when it comes to players kind of missing a year, mm-hmm. but aren't, aren't college players, or this should be at least made an option. Aren't college players, I'm not going to look at it from a high school standpoint, although there are other work, work workarounds to getting these guys playing time, mm-hmm. but what about college players going to play if they get drafted or they're about to get drafted? What about playing in the Cape Cod League? What about going to a, a summer league, getting some good competition? They're going to go there for three, yeah, they're going to go there for three weeks, you know, and it's, it's tough. Like, and then you leave that team hanging if you, if you leave and sign. So for instance, I have a player I've worked with for a really long time. Um, really good players. First team, all conference, um, East coast team. He's like a bubble guy to get drafted. He doesn't, he's not playing some, like he doesn't have a summer team because he's a senior. He's probably going to sign, but he's not sure. So there was a risk. Does he go play independent ball? And then, Somebody has to purchase his contract. A professional organization has to purchase his contract from Indie Ball. Does he try to get some summer at bats? I mean, so this kid's just working out. You know, he hasn't played a game in in three weeks or something like that. There's a lot of a lot of guys like that. Um, the other aspect, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, by the way. Um, I think that having the draft during the All Star game is really cool. I think people are going to watch it more. They're going to watch the first round like they do the NFL draft or the NBA draft. Um, that another negative part from from baseball front office is that's usually some downtime, right? The All Star break. Thank God the All Star break is here, right? We have like four or five or six days off. Okay, we're not hosting the All Star game. Our players are going. We're going to go spend time with our family. Now all of a sudden, the the GM and the assistant GM and everybody. Not that they're taking that much time off, but that they can take some time off. Now all of a sudden, yeah, you know, as good as you know, as well as I do, that the GMs, you telling me that Dave Dombrowski or Matt Arnold, who you, by the way, you work for, or I don't know, throw out there Billy Effler, you think they're actually taking time off during the All Star? No, they're not. The Mets are. The Mets don't know what they're doing. They're trying to figure out if they're going to no, the because of because of trades. But the the entire scouting department, right? Kind of. Oh, come on, you know as well as I do. And now, listen, you want to play devil's advocate, I'll play devil, devil's advocate. You know as well as I do, all the scouts that I know and that you know, they never turn it off. This, that's their life. Scouting is their life. This, this is their life. They don't like to take time off. Come on. All right, the coaches get a few days off. Uh, okay, so you're talking from a coach's <laughs> perspective. 
I do like I do like your argument when players get a few days off. I like your argument where it's coming from from the player development side. I guess I'm looking at it more from a marketing side, but you know, also too, I don't know. I'm more conservative when it comes to to player development. I guess, and and I don't see. I understand where you're coming from playing in-game action, but we have so many tools, so many resources now at all of these complexes that I, I'm not so sure we need to play a short season game in front of 10 fans or short season season in front of 10 fans every every night at the ballpark, right? I'm, I think it's we can easily do inter-squatting, for lack of a better term. We can do something like that and then get us, that will get us to instructional league come October. And then, of course, there's winter ball and, and you know, things like that. So I understand where you're coming yeah. from, but you know. yeah, we're still missing out on a bat. Bats are key. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I the agree. High school guys, you know, they can kind of find a way to get some at bats, but it's it's tougher on the the college guys that didn't, you know, go to the college world series. I mean, that's long. I mean, we're talking about the college world series because there's so many draft picks that were playing really late, but the college season ended at the end of May, right? Like the majority yeah. of people were done at the end of May, and now all of a sudden we're mid July when the draft is. So for those players that, you know, maybe there's a guy at Florida State, right? They didn't make it really very far in the postseason. Or maybe there's a guy at Sam Houston State, right? They didn't make the playoffs. But by the way, I was so right about what is it, Caden Krause Krause, he was like my favorite guy in the draft a couple of years ago from Sam Houston State. Man, I saw his swings and I'm like, this guy looks like a big leaguer already, the way he works out. And then boom, he went he went out. He's already in the big leagues for the Orioles. Aiden Crowell? Aiden Crowell, you're saying. It, uh, no, not Caden Crowell. Colt Colton Wow. Oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. I can still see his swing. It's so good. Like he's a Oh he's well, a oh no, I'm gonna figure this out. You keep talking while I look this up. Oh, I got it. Never mind. You don't have to keep talking. It was Colton Colton Kowser. Colton Kowser, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway. He's, he's, he's a lefty swinger, too. And he looks like the same. Si- no, he's not the same size as Sal Freelich. But, but, well, I can't say. Who, well, no, I can, I can I can make the comparison because he's also a center fielder. He's bigger. Sal Freelich. Who would yeah. you rather have? Sal, well, I, I, actually, I'm putting you on the spot here because Sal's in your organization. Yeah. So I can't I can't ask you that. Well, I but, um. You know, I mean, if I had the fourth pick in the draft, I would have taken, you know what I mean? Like, All right. Fair enough. Didn't have the fourth pick in the draft, so now, let me ask you now, since we're on the Major League Baseball draft, I have to ask you about Ellie De La Cruz, and I'll get to that in a second. Just want to get yeah. quick thoughts on him, yeah, how, if you watched him or not. I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. But, um, but now that we're on the draft, and I think you can tell me this. I think you can answer this question. Mm-hmm. Again, for those who don't know, Jake works for the Brewers, and, I, and he's not supposed to give out a lot of information we have to be very sensitive and careful to these things but notwithstanding i i'm gonna ask anyway if you were picking right let's put yourself in uh i won't say putting yourself in your boss's shoes put yourself in in who's picking number one overall well okay put yourself in ben charrington's uh shoes general manager for the pittsburgh pirates you do have they have number one overall pick who would you rather pick who would you rather take would you take the righty kid Paul uh, Skeens? Scan mm-hmm. Skeens. Can't say his name. I know what he looks like. Know how yeah. uh, knows how he. Th- I know how he throws. That's all I need. That's all. Or would you rather have the Dylan Cruz kid? By the way, both those guys are teammates. Mm-hmm. I think right at LSU. Yep, teammates. Yeah. So many names, I get confused. Um, who would you rather have though of the two? You have the number one overall pick. You're the general manager. You've got the last say. You're you. It's your decision. Your pick. Your owner asks you, Jake. 
Who are the Pittsburgh Pirates selecting number one overall? If you can answer this question, yeah. who would you pick? Number one overall, either Paul Skeens, right-handed pitcher from LSU, or Dylan Cruz, center fielder from LSU, who a lot of people are saying could actually go number one, or, well, yeah. the draft's already happened as we're talking here, but but could have gone number one like <laughs> That's right. This will come out the day after, yeah. Um, I, I don't know their needs, so. Not here. Yeah, I, it, it does have to do with needs. Uh, I will say that Skeens is, he's he's really impressive. Um, he's a big, burly guy, right? He's got great composure. He throws hard. He's got sharp breaking balls. He's got good command. Um, if I needed somebody to help me maybe next year on the mound, I might take him. Um, I would probably take Cruz though, if I was in the rebuilding phase, similar to like what Baltimore has done. You know, and are you saying that biased because we're, uh, we're an offensive, because we're offensive. No, because we're, just, we're both offensive. I'm biased. I personally, yeah. I would take Cruz number I one, but the, just me. I'm maybe I'm a generational guy. Like he does, yeah. he does things on the field, but he also has other amazing skills with his his vision and his footwork and his his instincts on how he moves getting reads off the bat you know not just speed power arm hitting for average but the intangibles that you know you can't teach right you can't you can't teach vision you can't teach instincts um he has that i feel that pitchers nowadays and i don't want to jinx anybody and i don't want to put a cloud on anybody but you know pitchers pretty much have a when they're throwing hard they got about a five or six year span of you know their elbow um i don't know if Skeens has had tommy john yet um if he had it his freshman year of college i would probably think about maybe drafting if he had it in high school maybe i think about if he hasn't had it yet then maybe he's going to be okay and maybe he's not now again i'm not a pitching guy so i haven't run all the tests and mechanical breakdowns to see how much stress he puts on his elbow but you know, the elbows last about For the record, years. if I may, um, sorry to just cut you off there, but yep. I did look up. Paul Skeens did have Tommy John surgery. Okay. Uh, it was, I think, it was the gap year between when he transferred from Air Force to LSU. But nonetheless, he did have Tommy okay. John surgery. So we can we can just cross that. Okay. So he's got a... Fairly- I, I don't want to say cross it off the list because it could happen again. You yeah. never know. And it probably but, will happen again. But, but hopefully. probably got four yeah. good years. See, that's the one thing, though, and you and I are on the same page there. That's the one thing that I worry about with him because I look at, like, say, for example, he reminds me a little bit, not not fully in terms of the comp of, of pitchers, but he reminds me a little bit of Cade Cavalli, right, of the Nationals and the Nationals organization, top prospect. He was supposed to actually open up the season, if I'm not mistaken, in the Nationals rotation or at least competing for that. And now he's 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 having Tommy John surgery, or he already had it. And he's not going to be back until the middle of next year. And he was a college pitcher. So that's yeah. what worries me about, always has worried me about, about college pitchers. Yeah. When you're drafting a college pitcher, see, when, when you're, to me, when you're selecting, this may be kind of antiquated thinking, but when you're selecting a high school pitcher, you can integrate them and you can watch and monitor every inning, every pitch that they throw. When they go off to college, and in Paul Skeen's case, he's already had Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. He's been to two different colleges. I mean, that there's some wear and tear there. And that's a lot of college pitchers. These coaches don't, no no disrespect to college baseball coaches, they don't care how many innings their guy throws. They just want to win. They don't care what the scouts want. They don't care what 
So I'm with you where I would take Dylan Cruz first. By the way, the Pirates, five of their top 10 prospects are pitchers. They don't have a top 10 prospect that's a pure outfielder. So logic would tell you that maybe taking Dylan Cruz, that could be the the pick that, that would kind of solidify this whole rebuild. And you can get him up within a year depending on what he does. Because like you mentioned, I agree with everything you said there. He is a generational type talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and that that's who I would pick, you know. And, and I, I don't know, it's it's hard. And, you know, different organizations have, have different ways of thinking. But, you know, pitchers, pitchers throw hard now. You know, Skeens throws hard, and he threw, he, I mean, he throws hard, right? And there were probably 10 guys or so in college that throw that hard. Um, there, There's a lot of guys in the Dominican that's, throw that hard maybe they're they're not that good of pitchers um that are in the minor leagues that are 18 and 19 years old right guys throw hard so um you you almost need nowadays five or six guys that throw that hard in your bullpen in case somebody gets hurt and that that's the risk of of a player you take a position player you know he, he yeah i mean guys get hurt right trout always gets hurt bryce harper always gets hurt like guys get hurt is is Cruz going to be one of those guys that get hurt all the time or is he going to be uh, a sturdy Juan Soto type player that, you know, laces him up all the time and uh, he makes all star teams and you can put a franchise tag on him? I would probably lean that way with my first pick. Mind you, Paul Skeens, he, he doesn't have as much negotiating power because he is a little bit older. So the Pirates could save some money, maybe sign him for just under $2 million, maybe a little bit over $2 million and save about $500,000, to $500,000 that they can now sprinkle around and, yep. and use on other picks that that are very valuable to them yep. later on in the draft. The Nationals, by the way, pick number two overall. They would love Dylan Cruz. They yep. would love to have him because they don't have a true center fielder right now. They're still they're still trying to find that true center fielder. It wasn't Lane Thomas, who I think is going to be an All Star one day, good player, great hitter, but nevertheless, he's not a center fielder. So Dylan Cruz, he could help the Nationals like next year. I mean, he got the Pirates too next year. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I would I'm with you. I would pick Dylan Cruz first, but I'm starting. I'm leaning towards the Pirates picking Paul Skeens, and 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 I think a lot of it will come down to the financial aspect of things. Yeah. And then a lot of times that's that's what it really comes down to ultimately. Financially, hey, how can we sprinkle around this money? Yeah. You know, and who 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 do we have the most leverage over? I, I'm not putting that really. I don't know. I'm not putting that probably the right way. But who do we have more leverage over, Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens in this case? And it would be if you're the Pirates, it would be Skeens because you can save money now. Yeah. And Cruz could say, "I want more than you know, slot money." Yeah. Right. And you're like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, we're not going to do that. And then, okay, that made our decision e- easy. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's all kinds of pre-draft deals that are already in effect. Yeah, under the table. Yep, in the first ten picks or so. I'm sure there, a lot of stuff going on. I'm sure they already know where they're going. Yep. You had no idea, right, when you were drafted, or did you? Me? Oh, yeah, in the 34th round or whatever. You still got drafted. <laughs> you still got drafted. So what was your okay? So what was your draft day like? Let's hear it now because draft you would have been drafted like so. This goes out on Monday. This I got a phone call. I got a I got a phone call. So you would have been drafted tomorrow because this episode comes out on a Monday. You would have been drafted the last day, or I don't remember how many days there were back then. But there was no phones or anything like or you know 
TV. They sent you, they sent you a just, fucking telegram. So yeah, it was like, it was like, hey, we drafted you. Okay, cool. They sent you a fucking email for, to your fucking AOL account. Times <laughs> <laughs> have changed. I was like, oh, sweet. There we go. Yeah. Well, and you know what, though? that that You say that, but 10 years ago, it was like that, too, with a lot yeah. of people. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. here we go. Yeah, there wasn't anybody like in tuxedos uh, getting inter- interviewed that first. There's round. no red carpet event. Yeah. Um, be sure to subscribe Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube. Watch the show, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. Email us your questions, Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Ellie Day LaCruz, is really quick before we get into We've kind of already gotten into our main topic, but I do want to touch on Ellie Day LaCruz. It's hard to ignore what he is doing at the Late. I saw him a couple of years ago in 2021 when he was in the minor leagues. And I remember trying to figure out a comp for this guy. Who would be the best comp? Because you don't see guys that tall and that athletic, that lanky playing third base. He's probably as lanky as he was back then as he is today. Really? But he is so, so incredibly strong. And I came up, the best thing I could, the best way I could come up with this was looking at the body and then looking at the swing. Defensively, I kind of took that out of the equation. I'm sure scouts may differ with this, but my best comp was was Dexter Fowler. And I always thought Dexter Fowler, good player, don't get me wrong, no disrespect to him, he had a nice career, but I always thought there was more left on the table with him offensively. Maybe he just, I don't know, his body couldn't move certain ways that would have made his swing as successful as he could have been or fundamentally just couldn't couldn't do certain things. That happens. You're preaching, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I actually had a meeting with the Rockies when Fowler was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Fowler and a guy named Chris Ionetta. Not uh, Chris Ionetta was one of them, and Ian Stewart, who they they ended up getting rid of shortly thereafter. But mm-hmm. um, I remember all three of those bodies. Yeah, Fowl- Fowler was like he, he didn't yeah, use the when he up, Yeah, like he was okay. so tight with his elbows, he didn't okay. use his leverage. He had no whip in his arms. He could have been so much better, and uh, they just kind of took the information and were like, oh, "Okay," and then they. They um, released Ian Stewart two days after that meeting, after we went through all this video. It's like, can we help these guys? Like, they could have been, especially Fowler, it just killed me because he was so talented. Yeah. Such a good outfielder, and he just, he used like 75% of his offensive capability. I always thought he could do better. But I well, I, I definitely see that with the build, I think. Can I ask you a question, by yeah. the way, really quick? Sorry, and then we'll get to Ellie De La Cruz, because I, I think he, he is the hitter that Dexter Fowler could have been. Yeah. Like, Maybe I don't uh, know. Daily Cruz is pretty electric. Yeah. He is. That's what yeah. that. A uh, Fowler was athletic enough to he could have been electric. But you said right there, yeah. and you he was seventy five percent. Yeah, seventy five percent. He didn't. Fantastic. But uh, let me ask you though. I were you laughing because this is this is your hometown. I mean, were you you get every one of their games? Were you laughing when what was the score? Um, oh gosh, twenty five or something against the Angels a couple of weeks ago. It was a sold out crowd. I, that game was on MLB Network. Yeah, I almost texted you. So because I was laughing. I'm looking around the ballpark. I'm like, there's not a seat open. And it's it they what the Angels score what was it 13 runs in one inning. The yeah. broadcaster, uh, whoever it is, was was saying this is he I think after like the 13th run, he was literally didn't even call it. He just said, This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> yeah, he probably had enough. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So Ellie De La Cruz. Let's uh let's get to him. What your that your take on his swing. What do you think of him? He's, he's a rare breed. He's going to make a lot of money playing baseball, no doubt, but he's a rare breed in that he's very tall. He's an infielder, but he's got such an electric short swing, and he's wiry strong. Yeah. You know, he's he's kind of got a clo- little closed-off approach, right? He, he dives in a little bit. Um, I don't know. He's just smooth and whippy. 
everything he does is whippy maybe because he's so long you know like he and i think he threw a ball 94 miles an hour across the infield the other day like i mean this guy does things that you could you know you dream about so and in a body that's like really you're that tall and i mean what happens if he puts on 20 pounds good lord like he's gonna just destroy balls so um yeah as a hitter i i think he's exciting i think he he came up uh you know is it gonna last i hope it does because he's a really fun guy but there's a lot of guys that kind of come onto the scene hot like that i mean remember um Gary Sanchez, right? He came up and hit like 24 home runs in half a season or something his his first year when he came up with the Yankees. You know, you have these guys that they bring electricity to the team and then the team gets hot and it's like, well, we got hot because of this guy when, you know, yeah, he, he's, I mean, it's not like he's carrying the team. I think he has a handful of home runs. They they get, I don't, I mean, you can pull up his stats if you want, but I, I mean, it's not like he's hitting 400 and he's got like, 12 home runs and you know 100 at bats or something like that so but he he's bringing energy and he can run and he runs hard he rounds bases hard he stretches doubles into triples so i hope he continues that kind of passion it's almost like the acuna past pat um passion when he came up um similar thing right acuna came in and the braves just kind of went crazy um it'd be really fun if if it it happened in in cincinnati the same way it happened in atlanta it seems to be um, right out because they're pretty hot. Well, you mentioned his size, 6'5", 200 pounds. Yeah. Still room to grow there. That's that. I mean, you know, How old is he? 22? 200 pounds. That's a 6'3", 6'1", between 6'1", and 6'3", right. and, and frame. You're 200 pounds at 6'5". You have a chance to put on muscle. He is, uh, to your point, 21 years old. So he still has some room to grow. Yeah. He's yeah. a kid. So He's a yeah. kid. I, I mean, I would love like to- a man. I would, I would love to see him continue the way he, he's going. But I don't really, you know, I haven't looked at his swing a lot. Yeah. Um, but from what I saw, like, he kind of has, he has good moves. Like, he's, there's nothing I don't, that jumps out and says, well, he's going to really get exposed in, in these certain parts of the zone. I don't, I don't really see that. I think he can cover most pitches. Um, all right, main topic. Uh, thank you for that with Ellie De La Cruz. Again, email us, Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at Jim Tara at Epstein Hitting. If you check out the YouTube page, you'll see previous episodes, including there's the camera again. Man, I, we were going so well. So you were. In this episode so of well. the camera. Um, you can watch, you well, if you go to the YouTube page, you can watch at times Jake with his camera, him struggle with that camera. You can watch me sometimes. Versus the lighting with Jake, it's versus the camera. So we we all ha- we all have our we have our tiffs, right? We all we all have our crosses to bear, you and I, when it comes to this show. But nevertheless, um, you can watch previous episodes, including our mechanical breakdowns. Last week we did Paul Goldschmidt; that was a lot of fun. So check out that on our YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube. Um, so our main topic today, episode one forty six, and we're talking about. A variety of things when it comes to drafting offensive players. For I want to get your perspective from an evaluator, and then I want to talk about and just get your thoughts on the players and what they can do mentally to prepare themselves for one of the biggest moments of their lives. Because a lot of times, some of these things that happen, some of the events around the Major League Baseball draft as a player, could be a little anxiety-inducing. If you ask me, sure, my experience and what I've yeah. learned, but. From your perspective first, tell me your as much as you can, 
And we're going to talk about this next week too, episode 147, talking about scout, scouting amateur hitters. But your process as an evaluator, when you're looking at a hitter, what are some of the things, what are the four or five things that you're looking for that you think, okay, we get this guy into the Brewer system, player development, this guy has a real chance to succeed? Well, I'm not going to tell you everything, but... Um... Fair enough. That's uh, fair. I, I know you can't tell me everything, but you can give me at least like three, right? Yeah, no. I and then mean, you could tell me off camera, and then I could say, "Ah ha ha." There's, there's, there's different. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different parts that you know that I look at with hitters, and and regardless if it's for for scouting or if it's hitters that I work with that I'm trying to get to the next level, right? College players, I'm trying to get signed. So, um, you know how they move is is really important. How they move in the box, how comfortable they, you know, are they jumpy? Um, do they have a nice rhythm? Do I think that they could possibly change their rhythm for the better? Um, or are they going to have to be a guy that's super fast um, with their rhythm and, and a little bit jumpy? Um, is that just their makeup? Is that how their, their body works and their brain works? So, you know, that's that's one of the things that, that I look for. Uh, probably the main thing that I look for is mechanical flaws. So I'll go through my list of different parts of the swing from looking at tens of thousands of, of swings over the years, major league swings and amateur swings, and figuring out really what doesn't work. Like what, what doesn't work at the big league level? What might work at the college level? What might work at the minor league level? Um, what doesn't work at the big league level, right? And then that's that's like we cross that off the list. Like that one's not fixable. Okay. Now, if somebody has one of those, we'll call it a catastrophic issue. Um, do they make up for it in other areas? Do they run a six six three sixty? Um, do they have great vision? Um, do they have good bat to ball skills? Even though you know maybe their their mechanics are bad, but they find a way to, to get a piece of the ball. They, you know, they battle. Are they a scrappy kind of player? Do they have different power numbers? Like, okay, their mechanics aren't great, but if they run into one, is their bat speed super elite? Now, does that trump what I think good mechanics are? Uh, maybe, maybe not, right? They would have to do something extremely, extremely well to overwrite some kind of catastrophic issue. So, you know, mechanics are a big thing. Or if, well, we could clean this up right? Like, you know, this person's got dirty teeth. We can take them to the dentist and, and scrape all the plaque off. Like, can we do that? Um, are they 22? Might be a little bit harder to do it. Are they um, 17 or are they 15? Are they an international player that, you know, is looking to sign? So there's 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 different things and you have to rank them differently. What What's important? What can be changed? Or it's like, green light this person. There's nothing wrong with their swing. Like there's players on my list that I say, this swing plays at the big league level. This is a top of the line mechanical swing, soup to nuts. But maybe they don't see well, right? Maybe they get stressed out, like you said. Maybe they can't keep their heart rate down. Maybe they get in games and they try too hard. Um, so there's all these things. Sometimes I see BP swings. I'm like, this is beautiful. And then I see him in the game. I'm like, that doesn't even look like the same guy because stress is getting to them. So will more at-bats help relieve stress? Will sports psychologists relieve stress? Will a different routine relieve stress? I don't know. So there are so many different things. And we try to, or I try to put as many of those different things down with certain players on what I think works and what doesn't work. Um, and it, 
it, it works pretty good. Like I, I, I feel like, you know, without patting myself on the back, I, I know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm helping make really, really wise decisions and, and thoughtful decisions. And really it's risk, you know, it's how much money are we going to give this person or, oh my gosh, who is this person? No, this, this person's not on anybody's radar, but they, whatever, see this many pitches per at bat, their swing and miss rate is this, their barrel is this, maybe they're not very big, maybe they're scrappy, wow, and their mechanics are really good, like maybe we swoop in and grab this person in the 18th round. Well, that's where scouts make their money, by the way. It is, yeah, you just find those out, it's easy to find the, I was just gonna not say. all the dudes are going to do it, but Honestly, you just go look at Team USA, right? I mean, these are the guys. That it's easy are... to find Dylan Cruz. It's hard right. to find. Right. I don't know. It's it's hard to find whoever whomever you want to. He's gonna he's gonna rise to the top, right? You yeah. just don't want to. You know, hopefully they don't they don't mess up. But um, I don't know. It's really fun. There's so many different layers of of uh, what positions are you looking for? Are you looking for outfielders? Looking for infielders? Are we trying to get more barrel guys? Are we looking for more power guys? Are we looking for uh, guys that can run, or is that not really a priority? Are we looking for a catch and throw catcher or a guy that's offensive? So, you know, you you have all these experts in every single major league front office, right? And they all kind of can they all communicate together, and they can they all kind of build the right package, um, and then end up drafting the right people to help the organization. And that's the that's the fun part of the job. That's why you know people people do it, right? That's why they work all year round, like you said. Right, they're not working forty hours a week. Yeah. So my okay, let's let's do it from the player perspective now, because you were there at one point. You downplay, but you were there at one point, getting drafted. What was it like for you mentally? What and and what's it like for these players now mentally? And how can they how can they relax and mm-hmm. and limit that anxiety that they may get from all of these events and all of these things that are being thrown at them that goes along with being drafted to a major league team? That's a really good question, Jim. It's a very thoughtful question. I I mean, I still remember uh, the stress, right? Like, who's in the stands today, right? This guy's got a, you know, whatever, a Mets Mets shirt on. This guy's got a Brewer shirt on. This guy's got an Angels shirt on, right? And you're like, oh, man, I better. And you tense up, right? You try to do too much. Uh, You try to overswing. Uh, maybe you force a throw you shouldn't, you shouldn't do. Um, it really does wear on you. And I, I have players that I work with that went through that this year because they were like, oh, am I going to be a second rounder? Am I going to be an end of the first rounder? Am I going to be a third rounder? Um, I've been around players when I was coaching, uh, at Mizzou that were under extreme pressure because they were going to be first rounders and they are trying too hard and it's hard. And the best advice I can give people, because if you take a step back, you know, obviously I'm old now. And if I could tell my 20 year old self something, it's, you just got to get in the system. You just have to get in the system. If you truly believe in your talent, you truly believe like, I don't care. You, you want to play pro baseball. You don't want to play pro baseball to be a double A player. So what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to make it to the highest level. You're not going to make it to the highest level by performing two months before the draft. You have to get into the system. You have to get a bat. You have to keep improving. You have to keep working hard and make the most of your opportunities. And whether you're going to be a, a fourth rounder or a sixth rounder really doesn't make a difference. 
Um, whether you're going to be, in my case, a 25th rounder or a 40th rounder, it really didn't make a difference. It was the opportunity that came after draft day and after you're going to sign. And if people are turning in your number and turning in your ticket, you're going to have a chance to play. Um, yes, it's real money. Like if you're going to be a first rounder, it's real money between the first round and the third round or the first round and the fifth round. But if you're going to be a fifth rounder, uh, are, are you really going to be a first rounder? Like if you do well in March and April and May, probably not. You're probably still gonna be a fifth rounder. Maybe you can really hit, but maybe you don't run real well, right? Maybe you're a first baseman. I'm going to draft first base <laughs> like super high, right? They're gonna, or you're a left fielder. So you, you kind of know where you are. You're not going to go from a fifth rounder to a first rounder in one season. We well, make a great and point too. I, and you know, you mentioned the pressure there. You make a great point about how these anxiety inducing events or, or moments or things that are put in your ear, like, Hey, you have the potential to be this, yeah. this route or potential to be this or that, or maybe, you know, when you get to pro ball, we may want to switch your position. These are all things that go through players heads come, I don't know, September, the year prior to them getting drafted, sometimes even earlier than that. So you're constantly for a year, year and a half as an amateur player who's expecting to get drafted, you're constantly thinking about these things. And all the only thing that's on your mind is the Major League Baseball draft. How can I up my stock? And look, I, you know, I, I say it all the time how college coaches, they don't care about you know what scouts or what organizations think they want to put the best players out there and they want to pitch the best guys that will get them the most wins yeah and in a way it's inverted with you know with major league organizations they don't really care what collegiate teams win or go yeah. to the college world series they only care about what's that guy's stock what will he be like if it's say october or november what will he be come draft time in july so there's that inverted process thought process anyway um, when it comes to both college and, and pro teams and the players, unfortunately are in the middle of that. Yeah. I mean, look at Kumar rocker, right? I mean, right. yeah, that guy, I, I mean, I, I saw him in 2019. He, he, he's throwing more than 50% breaking balls. Like he's snapping off breaking balls, like two to three times every at bat, like it was going to go out. Right. And then all of a sudden his junior year, his velocity is down five miles an hour. Like it takes its toll. Um, Skeens isn't going to throw. He's going to get drafted in the first round. He's probably not going to throw very much this year, right? He's probably going to go to the fall league and get some innings, but they're not going to throw him in a ball or double a, like he's going to rest. He pitched, he pitched a month longer than, than everyone else, right? He pitched an extra 50 innings or 30 innings, whatever it was than everyone else. Um, and you have to be very, very cautious with that. So yeah, it's a lot of pressure. You know, it really is. And, and some guys don't care about pressure. And hey, I'd like to draft those guys, right? Like the, I know that they're not going to have a problem. But for most people out there, pressure is pressure, and anxiety is anxiety. But um, you can harness that. You can you can really harness it. But you're right. It's like you prepare for that in the fall, and you just can't wait for you know February 26th or 28th, the first college game of the year, and you're like, I better get two hits today. Oh my God, I went over. What am I going to do this season? I better get one or two hits the next game to get my average. Oh my God, I'm 0 for 7 the first two games. And that's kind of the stuff that that creeps in. And then usually players settle down about halfway through, but um, external pressure with anything. External pressure does does not fare well to, to the athlete, you know, regardless of sport. And if you can 
remove that external pressure and, and stay within your tunnel and, and stay with your routine and do what you do, then you're going to be fine. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you create a system for yourself as a player and you have great coaches around you that help you create those systems. You don't have to deviate from that now. It doesn't matter who's in the stands, who's watching. At that point, it doesn't matter. You just keep playing. Try to help your team win. It sounds so elementary, I know, but, it does, but from both of our experience, you know, look, uh, you know, you don't have any any boys, but, it, you know, and if I have kids one day, that's just, that's, you know, and because, and they are going to go to the pros because, you know, they're going to have Jake Epstein hitting with them. Oh, no, that'll um, do it, I'm sure. Just that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. But that's the, that, you know, to me, that's the, the biggest the biggest downfall of any amateur player is just that external pressure or and yep. that creates that internal pressure. Yep. And if you trust yourself and you go out there and you try to win and you're a gamer and you don't deviate from the process, stupid word, you don't deviate from the systems that got, got you to where you are now as a guy who's going to get drafted mm-hmm. in a high round, you have nothing to worry about. You don't have to right. deviate from those systems. Don't worry about the outside pressure. That doesn't that doesn't matter. You stick with what got you to the game, what got you to the dance. <laughs> right? You and then stick enjoy with what dance. got you to the dance and you do that. You try to win and you go out there and compete. And have fun. Jesus Christ. Have fun. It goes in the blink of an eye. Even Derek Jeter once said that, right? Twenty yeah. years of playing major league baseball for the New York Yankees. And what he told he's even said it on record. Went by in the blink of an eye. It goes by quick. Enjoy it. You know? Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, Eric Chavez going through the the draft, right? He was, yeah. I think, the number nine pick somewhere around there that year, 96. And he embraced it. Yeah. He was a guy that, I mean, that's why he was a big leaguer for whatever, 14 years. Like, he embraced when those scouts were there. He wanted to, he wasn't like, oh, I, I better get a hit today, like, so that they like me. It was, I'm going to show these dudes how far I can hit a ball. I'm going to show these guys... I can make diving catches at shortstop, right? It was just a different outlook from a, from a different human being. And did that make him a successful big leaguer? I guarantee you it helped. Okay. Maybe his talent would have gotten him to pro baseball, but that mindset is what put him in the big leagues for a long time. And no moment was ever too big. Well, keep in mind too, that in player, amateur players, they have to remember this. This is very important. You think there's pressure now? Well, if I don't perform, I may drop in the draft and I may get this slot money rather than this slot money. You think that's pressure? Wait until you get up in the higher levels of the minor leagues. Wait until you get to the big leagues. That's when the real pressure comes in because if you don't perform, I don't care what kind of, you may have more leeway if you're a top prospect, but if you don't perform, eventually you're going to be flushed out. That's where the real, real, real pressure comes in. Right. So there's always another draft. Always another draft. There's always more players. By the way, this is a world game, and players are signed from all yeah. over the world. So, yeah. you know, forget the pressure and forget that. Forget the external pressure, and that 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 comes with with being drafted. Comes with being a top prospect. All right. Um, wrapping things up. Do we? We I think we covered everything. Next week, episode one forty seven, we'll be talking about scout scouting amateur hitters. You kind of touched on that a little bit already, and we'll yeah. we'll kind of get into the mind of a scout, get into your mind a little bit more. Hopefully, and get a little. more. You know, you gave good good stuff this week, but I know I know you don't want to give away everything. But we'll 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 talk a lot more about it next week as well. Scouting yeah. amateur hitters. Yeah. We can't do pictures. We could, but you know, this is a hitting podcast. It's been like this since April twentieth, two thousand and twenty. Woo! Episode one forty seven. Did we? So we hit on everything. We did. We did. All right. We're recording this not on a Monday, not on a Sunday, so we don't know who is being drafted. We're we don't know. We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Yeah. 
All right. Do you have anything to promote? Anything before we get going? Uh, no, I have a lot of, I've had a, a bunch of questions on certification this fall, uh, or the coach, the coaches training. So yes, it will happen October. I'm trying to finalize dates. Um, it's usually the second weekend of October, but that happens to be my kids fall break. So it could be the second or third weekend. I will try to get it posted for everyone. Uh, and we are going to, we'll do it down at the lab in college station. So it'll, it'll be there. It's been there the last two or three years and it's just the perfect spot. So look for that on the website. Um, Probably within the next week, I'll get that posted. What's the phone number? www.epsteinhitting.com or jake at epsteinhitting.com. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where can they email the email the show if they have a question? They may want to email the show and say, you guys are brilliant. And we, I have a question. Jimjimbo21 at gmail.com. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. We're getting there. At 146 episodes in, we've almost got the email address. Almost. All right. Well, thank you. 21. And you're missing an element of it. There's a, there's a chunk in the middle. You, 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 you know, you did like what my godson used to do when he was little. He would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He would forget the middle part. So you forgot the, the first part, Jimbo 21 at gmail.com. There's a middle part. All right, we're going to fucking be here all night. Jeez. Jimbo Podcast 21. At oh, Jimbo Podcast. Come. I, I'm looking yeah. at the background. It used to be on the old background. I was looking too. I was yeah. like, okay, next episode, July 7th. <laughs> no, it's not there. I was looking at Jimbo Podcast. All right, Jimbo yeah. Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you for listening.